Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing a paleo certification program for food packaging and fast food robots working alongside employees. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at Xtalks.com. And this week, I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off about uh, with a story about the Paleo Diet, which is not only a diet, but it's also a company, and it is the founding organization behind the corresponding lifestyle movement, and it has launched a new Paleo certification program. So I'll get into that a little bit later, but based on the science from the researchers who established the framework of modern paleolithic nutrition, the program aims to provide guidance for the food industry by codifying the paleo diet standards and making them available to manufacturers, retailers, and other partners. So... Over the years, I think we've seen a lot of, you know, food labels that correspond with either diets or other movements, including vegan, fair trade, organic, and this is another one that we can add to the list. So uh, the CEO of the Paleo Diet said, after years of development, we're excited to announce our certification program, which is based on the original science of leading researchers like Dr. Lauren Cordain and Dr. Boyd Eaton. The goal of our certification program is to clear up confusion in the marketplace and help consumers make healthier choices. So the Paleo certification program is based on the organization's principle of encouraging the avoidance of, get ready for all of these things, dairy products, genetically modified organisms, grains, highly processed foods, and legumes, among other foods. So that cuts out about half of what I eat, I would say. <laughs> um, now, and the Paleo, yeah, I know, it's quite restrictive. But the paleo diet considers these food groups as red flags since they were not part of the paleolithic diet of early humans. Uh, So that is what the name is based off of. And this paleolithic diet, um, apparently they avoided these things. Um, The dairy, I'm not really too sure about. Um, I figured they would have had dairy back then but i uh i don't really know how old i think this this period was about 2.5 million years ago so mm. who am i to know whether they actually they had domesticated had dairy. cattle for, that's right uh, that's right then. so so maybe maybe there is some truth to that but anyway the organization's new paleo certification program is deemed a translation of the evidence-based peer-reviewed science of paleolithic eating into a modern food certification process. So the program launches alongside a rebranding of the organization, which includes this CPG-friendly logo and the motto, Designed by Nature, Built by Science. So then I got into a little bit about more about label literacy. And while today's consumers have a lot more of that than previous generations of grocery shoppers, the demand for easily identical certification schemes remains high. So food packaging labels are branching beyond traditional categories, like I was saying, like organic and fair trade, given the rising interest among consumers for easily discernible product information. 
And also, I think there's a lot more to look out for in our food than maybe there used to be. Um, there are more plant-based eaters, I think, now than there ever have been. Um, and just getting that reassurance from a food label, uh, you know, is helpful for consumers. So this certification comes at a time when the global market for paleo foods is projected to reach 12.6 billion by 2027, growing at a compound annual growth rate of 3.6%. And in the U.S. alone, the paleo market was estimated at $2.7 billion in 2020, with cereals, bakery products, and snacks being some of the largest market segments. And that was interesting to me because um, in this paleo diet, you are supposed to avoid um, a lot of things that you would think that cereal and bakery products and a lot of snacks would have in them. But to me, it just screams uh, chemicals and other <laughs> other uh, other things you may not know. But yeah, as long as you avoid grains and GMOs, I guess uh, you're, you're, you're good to go with this diet. But uh, that brings me to some pushback that this diet has received. Um, over its widely promoted nutritional credentials. So earlier this year, Danone North America published research outlining that gut microbiome health is positively influenced by a diversified diet that includes both plant-based and animal-derived foods rather than a reductionist diet like paleo, and I could not agree with that more. But meanwhile, the paleo diet is seeking partners for this new licensing program, which will see it lend its trademark through full branded and co-branded agreements. So available licensing categories include raw ingredients, prepared foods, meal delivery, software, services, personal health, and consumer packaged goods. And licensing will be available through the Valen Group, which is the organization's exclusive licensing partner. So yeah, um, I was actually kind of surprised that um, there already this already didn't exist because um, you know I know a lot of people who have tried this diet and um, I think it's great that they are finally coming out with a certified you know logo. This is certified paleo and it will help people who are following this diet know that the foods they are eating are paleo because I guess before that you kind of had to guess or you really had to stringently read the ingredients. Um, on the back of food packaging to know whether something was paleo. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Um, and I guess the diet overall too, do you think um, as, as science people, um, do you think there's any backing to this diet? Do you, do you kind of agree or understand where the science is coming from? Well, I, you know, the paleo diet sounds like, I'm not sure, but it sounds like it would be good for people with diabetes because it's mostly like meat, nuts, and I'm not sure what else is there in the paleo diet. Um, I think it's, okay, so it's meat, nuts. Fruits, um, vegetables. Fish, fruits, vegetables. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, maybe maybe not the fruits for diabetics, but definitely the meat and the nuts. Um, but yeah, I think overall, people who want to follow a certain diet for a certain amount of time, this will help them. Um, so I, I see it as a as a positive thing. Yeah, in terms of the science, I mean, you know, I think I've spoken about this before, like nutrition, diet, it's it's so poorly understood. You know, all of the studies are, you know, correlative and not causative. So we really cannot derive any, you know, <clears throat> actual conclusions from, from, you know, those kinds of associative uh, uh, studies that show, okay, well, you know, people who eat more meat are better off than people who eat more vegetables or 
or vice versa, because it's all, again, correlation and correlation does not imply causation. So that's the big problem with the, these kinds of, you know, large scale nutritional studies. I don't think there's a lot of science backing any of these diets. You know, we have uh, so many different diets, diets coming out every, you know, I don't know how often, but the paleo diet, the keto diet. And yes, I mean, these diets, you know, anecdotally might work better for some um, over others. But um, I like the idea behind the paleo diet in terms of kind of returning to our, you know, ancestral roots and like kind of, you know, trying to emulate what they ate. But how, how do we know how healthy they were, right? It's just assuming <laughs> that they I were healthy. Thinking. You know what I mean? It's That's like, what I was thinking. We don't know the kinds of health problems they problems they had. Um, you know, obviously they didn't have modern health care, and there were you know you know probably you know mortality was high, and you know so it's it's it was a different lifestyle. It was a different era, and so mm, what yeah. may have worked for them then, or may or may not have worked, we don't know. So I just think it's. Just because something is, you know, natural or or whatnot, it doesn't make it necessarily good. We have poisonous plants in nature, and our ancestors tried everything and anything, and probably didn't do too well, right? So, um, thanks to them, we are now in a much better place. But yeah, I mean, I do like the idea, but it, it's it's interesting. I wouldn't really, you know, go as far as there's no real hard science backing any of these diets, in my opinion, uh, and so. Um, I, I kind of kind of cringe when it's like, oh, science-based, you know, this, this is a science-based diet. No, no, it's not really. <laughs> um, so coming back to this paleo certification, um, I'm surprised I didn't have it before. Um, actually, do you know if like other, I guess the Atkins diet, you know, is from a, you know, a longer the, time ago, is that, does that have its own certification or the keto diet? So keto. the Atkins, the Atkins diet is like, um, it's a company and they right. sell specific foods. Um, but oh, okay. I, but I do not think that they, um, partner with other brands to get their label on things. I think they're just a food mm. company that promotes their own diet. Whereas in this case, um, the paleo company or sorry, the paleo diet is both a company and, but they're partnering with other, uh, food companies, manufacturers and retailers to get their logo onto other I foods. See. So right. I think it's slightly different. Um, and now uh, you brought up keto. I also am not aware of whether there's a universal keto mm. logo. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, I would imagine that um, a lot of companies claim, uh, you know, they'll say it's keto. Um, I've, I've seen that on on different, uh, you know, food packaging. But yeah, I don't think there's a, you know. There actually is a keto oh, certification. Yeah, I'm just looking this up. Oh, thank um, you for clarifying. Okay. Yeah, I, ha I did not know. And wow, wonder... there are like different prices for getting, you know, keto certification and things hmm. like that. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it's like worth having a certification for a diet because diets change and the, the fad of the diet, the trend kind of may mm. may lose its popularity maybe over some time, but maybe it's worth it for now. Like I was actually really surprised that they will have um, the paleo certification on things like cereal, uh, snacks. Um, because, you know, for the paleo diet, they're supposed to avoid grains. So it would help people who want to buy like a, like a gluten-free cereal, basically. Mm -hmm. 
But it gets so confusing. Like, why not just say gluten-free versus, like, paleo? Or we're going to put both on it. You know what I mean? It's just... Probably both. 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 Right. So, like, pretty soon you'll have, like, something to look at it and have, like, you know, so many different certifications on it. It's going to... I think it's going to kind of get funny Yeah, like the point. logo itself is going to be the same size as all the all the certifications. Exactly. You're going to be like, wait, what's the product? <laughs> but yeah. it's a genius marketing move for sure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is just like kind of the next step and and what they're doing um, as a company or as a corp, uh, an organization, right? And so, uh, yeah, it's a pretty big logo if you take a look at it. You know, you have a tree and then you have different colors and it just looks all bright and cheery so i mean it's a big logo too (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like paleo sauce like what does that even mean yeah paleo sauce (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no i i agree that um you know it's yeah it's a great uh business move um and i think a lot of people don't really know what paleo entails that you know it's also gluten-free and like dairy-free mm. and i think they're trying to compact all of those yeah. things into like one yeah. you know one logo and i feel like you wouldn't really buy this stuff if you're not on a paleo diet because what's what's the point um but yeah back to what you were saying about like you know we're not too sure about the science it, it's so true i mean people 2.5 million years ago couldn't have lived past 30 years old right. it's like the old stone age <laughs> yeah right. like the world has changed and evolved Ancient, so much exactly. since then but I, I i understand the you know eating how our ancestors used to eat i i like that idea mm-hmm. in you know and oftentimes theory, yeah oftentimes a lot of our diets still include a lot of that stuff it does um, yeah so i think you know even eating dairy and grains and other things that the diet restricts in moderation still isn't the end of the world i bet you we're still gonna live longer than uh people in the stone age yeah and and i mean despite you know our threats are different now you know back then they might have had you know threats from like bears and wild animals that they were sharing spaces with but today our threats are you know a sedentary lifestyle or (laughs) you know so it's just our lifestyles are so different there's so many different factors that come into play with health right and uh, diet um, and physical activity so it's 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 hard to kind of make those connections in terms of what and plus then you have individual variances as well right um there's like a whole field of nutrigenomics in terms of like you know, like if you think about st- stuff like coffee or alcohol, some people have, you know, better tolerance, have different tolerances for alcohol and also, um, um, you know, preferences for coffee. And so there's a lot of individual genetic differences as well. So it's very, it's a, it's a very complicated thing. But uh, yeah, we we have to, uh, and at the end, you know, you know, work with what we have and uh, in terms of the knowledge we have and the bodies that we have, I would say. So um yeah it's just like eggs you know a while back it was like oh eggs are so bad for you the yolks have so much cholesterol and now it's like well they're not so bad you're okay you can go ahead and eat the yolks too so it's kind of like yeah yeah we continue to learn and Mm -hmm. evolve um which is yeah yeah and and i was just gonna say it's an excellent segue into how much we've evolved uh because Mm -hmm. i'm talking about a company called miso robotics which focuses on robotic animation for restaurants, and it is hoping to save the nearly $300 billion U.S. fast food industry with the implementation of its robots. 
So as it stands right now, there are record high job openings and an inadequate number of workers to fill those positions. So that is why Miso Robotics is counting on its robots to work alongside fast food employees at a time when the labor pool is stagnant. So how does this company plan to take on such a daunting task? Well, it starts by creating a line of kitchen robots that automate almost all the components of standard fast food meals. So you might have heard of Flippy, which is the company's leading creation, and it is a compact, modular robot, and it's adaptable to even the tightest kitchen spaces and is engineered to fry nearly anything. Um, and when, whenever we talk about automation and robotics, uh, there's always a little bit of pushback, but in the fast food industry, it's generally on board with the notion of an increasingly sophisticated tech stack. So there was a recent TD Bank survey of U.S. franchise owners and operators that found that their top priorities for 2022 include investing in mobile ordering, delivery services, point of sale digital signage, and other in-store tech. But Miso Robotics wants to take that fast food tech to a next, the next level by implementing robots to work together with existing employees. And unsurprisingly, the level of speed and efficiency that robots can offer is appealing to some of today's fast food chains. And Miso Robotics is already forming partnerships that aim to revolutionize the fast food industry. So one such partnership was an $11 million deal to bring Flippies to Cali Burger outlets in 50 international locations. Meanwhile, White Castle was so satisfied with Flippy's work during a pilot program that it's expanding to implement 100 more Flippies to work at U.S. White Castle locations. And when I say work, I mean that with quotes because they're robots. <laughs> and the company has also secured ties with owners of Buffalo Wild Wings and Jack in the Box, which are two titans in the industry with thousands of locations in the U.S., so since a large number of former fast food workers have no intention of returning to the industry, um, whether it be because of COVID or just, you know, other job opportunities, Miso Robotics is entering the sector at a really good time. While Americans are still keen to work in restaurants, operators should look at adopting new technology and not just not as a means of replacing humans, but to make their jobs more substantial by increasing the restaurant's operational efficiency in all areas. And I was also reading about, uh, you know, a lot of fast food places um, for for cooks specifically it can get really hot um, when mm. they're flipping burgers and things like that and they'll have to take a lot of breaks and you know robots don't get hot they don't need breaks um so it's it's one advantage of having them work alongside um other people who work in restaurants um now since uh sorry for restaurants constrained by profit margins as low as 3 to 5%, the introduction of robots can be a game changer, accounting for a boost in margins by as much as 300%, for reasons like I was just mentioning. And with over 200,000 fast food restaurants in the U.S. that could benefit from their own flippy system, the door is pretty open for Miso to step in and command a significant portion of this burgeoning automated restaurant market. And of course, figures like those have caught the eyes of investors, which is in part why Miso has accumulated nearly $80 million in funding since it was founded in just, just a few years ago in 2016. But it's currently seeking new uh, investment to help expand its footprint and form even more partnerships. So since the technology is evolving and maturing at a really steady pace, the possibilities are endless. 
Um, and I just have to say that, you know, robots will never replace the need for human workers, nor would most people want them to, but robotics and artificial intelligence will definitely take a role alongside humans to improve the experience of customers and workers alike. So yeah, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, robots, uh, you know, at the back of the McDonald's there or uh, or um, I think Flippy is also in certain like Chipotle locations. Do you care who makes your food? Do you have a preference? Can you see how these uh, robots will be advantageous for um, efficiency's sake, um, for restaurants? And do you maybe have a bit of a fear that they could potentially take over? <laughs> No, I, I'm not imagining like a Terminator situation going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> but like, I do think in 10 years, if we look back on this podcast, or if we recall talking about this, I think we'll be like, oh, well, like every fast food restaurant now has a robot, mm -hmm. like Flippy. So I do think like they will become widespread very quickly, maybe even less than 10 years. I don't know. I don't see into the future, but I definitely think <laughs> like... um. The kind of work that is very physically demanding for humans, that's very exhausting, that that not a lot of people find, like, that it's easy to do, like, you know, work, like, flipping burgers. Um, usually people are in a small space. Uh, there may not be a lot of fresh air and stuff like that. So for those kind of jobs, I definitely do think robots will take over soon. In a good way. Yes. <laughs> Um, no, I definitely agree. I mean, you know, restaurant working conditions can be very tough, right? You know, workers are on their feet for long, you know, periods of time. And yes, you know, Sydney, you brought up like just the heat, right? From all of the cooking, like it's it's really um, uh, a challenge sometimes. So I think, you know, having robots as options um, in the kitchen alongside workers to, to assist and take over certain roles, I think that's, I think it's, awesome i think it you know and in terms of like do i care who's making my food if you know the robots are you know programmed and sophisticated enough to you know bring me up my burger and fries i'm good you know <laughs> like i think and i think it, it'll be easier to even maintain like hygienic practices maybe with robots you know if you, if they're maintained properly and well and i can just build in so many things um into a robotics type of a system. So I think there's huge potential. And, you know, it kind of seems like we're finally entering that futuristic kind of era of robots. Because like, you know, we've been growing up, we've all heard about oh, ro robots are going to take over, or they're going to do all this stuff for us. But it's like, oh, is it really going to happen? Is going to happen? But now like you finally are seeing um, them coming out literally. And I think one of our um, colleagues, Ryan, um, he's our, uh, lead moderator and a, our multimedia editor extraordinaire at X Talks. He was talking about how he was at a sushi place for Mother's Day and they had a helper robot who would drive out trays of food. I'm just reading his message to the server station from the kitchen. And I think that was so awesome that like, but he almost got run over, um, by one on the way to the bathroom. So that wasn't probably the <laughs> too fun but i think that's so cool that you're actually seeing these robots now um in our environments and uh it's exciting and i think it's only going to grow and i think it's a positive and yeah like with so many people leaving the service industry um and you know job vacancies at an all-time high in that industry i think this is a need and robots are coming in to fill it and no they're not going to take over the world <laughs> 
There's a whole yeah, conversation that... <laughs> on that, you know. They're not sentient beings. They can't, you know, think for themselves. And uh, it's just, it's funny. But yeah. Yeah, I think where that fear lies is more in um, jobs where there are still a lot of people who who work in those industries. Whereas with fast food, we really are seeing like a lot of dwindling. The the numbers are really going down in terms of employees. And another thing that I just thought of too is like, there can be there can be workplace incidents on the job. You can get burned by oil. You can oh, just yeah, yeah like yeah. there's and like you said, like people are on their feet. It's exhausting. And with robots, you don't. There are certain things you don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. They don't need breaks. Um, aside from the occasional tune up and just check in. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, like they they are efficient and they can also help uphold consistency with with products. Um, which oftentimes you know I've. <laughs> I've never had McDonald's fries in two different locations that didn't taste the exact same. So they can ha- still help uphold all of those those things that we are used to with with fast food. Um, but yeah, I agree. I don't think they're they're. I don't think we should be scared. I think we should be embracing the possibility. Um, and that's exactly what Miso Robotics wants to do. They don't want to replace humans. They just yeah. want to help them. Um, you know, and humans will work alongside of robots. Um, and yeah, I. Uh, I think they have an advantage because they sort of got their foot in the door relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am really eager to see in 10 years whether, yeah, it, it, it had just become a normal thing, whether, you know, teens are even seeking out restaurant jobs anymore, uh, as sort of like their first job type thing. Um, but yeah, I think in a lot of our daily lives, um, we've seen products over the last 10 years that like iRobot, for example, um you know or what is it Roombas like the the vacuums um yeah yeah, those are uh, a lot of people have those and Mm -hmm. absolutely love them and I don't think anyone is like oh but you know I really miss vacuuming (laughs) they're taking over the vacuum industry like (laughs) so I think with things like that that help people um we we should embrace the technology yeah rather than be scared of it Yep. And artificial intelligence is, you know, entering almost every aspect of, of, you know, our lives now. Just the possibilities are just um, so great as to in terms of like what we can, um, you know, leverage it to do. So I think, uh, yeah, I think this is just the next step forward and pretty exciting. All right, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.